Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 195 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Jordan Jenkins. Jordan lives in Goleta, California, and she is in law school. Welcome, Jordan. Hi, Jen. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. How's the weather down there in Goleta, California today? It is beautiful, although I will say we felt like we were getting a cold snap when it got down to 50 last night. <laughs> well, we're recording this in December. It'll come out in April where it'll be nice and springy, but I'm here recording from the beach, and it is very chilly. My son's here with me, and we walked to eat dinner last night, and he was like, this is too cold. <laughs> windy December beach weather. So by the time this one comes out, it'll be nice and springy though. So yeah, so it does get cold where you are a little bit. 
Yeah, I mean, compared to Chicago, where I'm in law school, it, it doesn't, I know people there don't feel any sympathy for my 50 degree weather, but uh, it does feel chilly to me. So I get it. The beach can be cold. My daughter-in-law is from Chicago, so it is definitely a different kind of cold up there. You know, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? Yeah, I have kind of a funny story, although I think almost everyone says that, so it's just all, (laughs) everyone has a unique story. So in 2017, I graduated college, I was living with my parents, and they have pretty cool friends, and one of them is Lori Lewis, and who's like, I think the third or fourth (laughs) episode of this. She came down and visited us where we were living in Florida, and I just love her, and so I can't remember if my mom noticed that she wasn't eating or if, I'm sure I didn't ask, but someone asked and Lori started explaining that she just found this thing called intermittent fasting and that she didn't eat until later in the day and then she'd eat for a certain amount of time and then stop. And I, I mean, poor Lori, I think I looked at her and was like, I literally could never ever in my life do that. (laughs) Here I am like eating every two hours. I think we took her to this French bakery at like eight or nine in the morning and she, (laughs) I'm getting like a chocolate croissant. She's like, I'm good with my black coffee. So she kind of planted the seed. And I think a year later in August of 2018, that would have been, I'd been living in Spain for a year and I came back and uh, my mom started doing it and didn't tell me until I went back to Spain (laughs) for another year. And she called me one day and uh, I'd been experiencing really strange symptoms, just like anything I ate wouldn't sit quite right. I was getting rashes on my face. It was just a bunch of very weird things. And she called me and said that she'd started intermittent fasting and that I should maybe look into it because depending on what was going on with we didn't know that maybe intermittent fasting would be a good thing. So it took me another six months uh, of January 2019. I'd been studying for the LSAT and I didn't want to mess with anything to actually start. So that's my like two, two and a half year, one and a half year journey to actually starting intermittent fasting. I love that Lori Lewis is is the one that, that first told you all about it. And I can't remember when she started, but 2017 was probably pretty early, right? Because Delay Don't Deny, I know she read Delay Don't Deny, and that came out December 31st of 2016. So I think it had only been a few months. I think it was pretty early on, and there I was casting all this doubt. <laughs> That's fabulous. I love it. And you know, Lori has actually been on the podcast twice now. She came and, and did a follow-up. I can't remember what episode number it was, but she talked about how she's maintained and, and how it's been for her. And you know, she's an intermittent fasting coach now. That is what she does, it's her job. So, but that was back in her early days of figuring it out before all of that. I love how intermittent fasting just changes lives, right? More than just weight loss. It's like, hey, now I've got a career from that. So you started in January of 2019. So how did you start? So I had found out after my mom had called me, I know this is kind of jumping back and forth, that I had parasites from a time that I lived in Ecuador. And so that had been it was three years of having parasites and not knowing. And so it it had done a lot of damage to my gut. And for six months, I basically was on a very restrictive diet, just like rice, chicken, carrots, and broccoli was basically all that I ate just to try to, because, you know, parasites love sugar and, and gluten and all of that stuff. And so I'd done that and I was waiting until I could eat more things until I also restricted when I was eating because I wasn't trying to lose weight. I was actually kind of trying to gain weight. <laughs> I want to talk about parasites for a few minutes just because, you know, it seems almost like a taboo subject here in America, like, ooh, parasites, you must be gross. We're actually dealing with our cats right now. They have worms. We're trying to get them all fixed with that because, they, you know, we got one to not have it and the other one did. But but humans have those too. When I was a teacher, I mean, probably 
I don't know, over 10 years ago, at some point, I actually caught a pair. I had worms. That sounds disgusting. That I'm pretty sure I got from a student. And, you know, I I went to the doctor. We took care of it. We got rid of it. But I was talking to a doctor at a conference I was at recently whose specialty is parasites. And she said, so many people don't know that they've got parasites. And it sounds like one of those things. It's like, oh, yeah, sure, everything's parasites. It's not, not everything is parasites. But if you're having unexplained problems, it very well could be parasites. Yeah, absolutely. There have been a lot of people in my life who've had random health things going on. And I've always said, just go get tested for parasites. You never know. And like you said, it's not the answer to everything. But I think it's like you said, there's this taboo. And it's way more common than we think, uh, including in the US. It's not, you know, I shower every day. (laughs) It's not that kind of cleanliness. It's just it happens. You just get it. And then it like they dig in and they live. That's what they do. They live inside us. And You know, I remember I was talking about it with the school nurse. She's like, you're being very candid and frank. I'm like, it's just what it is, right? You know, we also, some kids have head lice. Some, you know, sometimes we get a virus. It's little things, you know, and our gut microbiome is full of living things. So we shouldn't be squeamish. We should say, hey, I might have parasites. A friend of mine had that happen to her when she traveled in South America. And same with you. She lost a tremendous amount of weight. So that's what happened for you. Yeah, it was so weird. (laughs) But not in a good way. Not in a good way. I've never had uh, to think about my weight, which I know I'm really lucky. And so suddenly I'm like losing weight and I'm, I kind of joke that I eat like a four-year-old. So I'm eating like not great food and there I am not, not able to uh, keep any weight. So I lost weight. And then like the things I talked about earlier, the rashes and all of that was happening. And my friend also the same thing had to really restrict her diet. So when you started the parasite your discovery process. Was it a doctor that diagnosed that for you? And and what did y'all do? Yeah, it was actually quite a struggle. And so really anyone who's dealing with this, uh, especially I think young women often have to fight a little bit more sometimes to be heard in doctor's offices. Not always, but it was definitely my experience that I went to, I think I went to three or four doctors right after coming back from Ecuador because I already had weird symptoms. Like this is a little, might be TMI, but I'd like throw up after I ate for no reason. So I kept going to doctors and I would say, I was living in Ecuador for six months. Can you just check me for parasites? It might be something else. I was in Goleta, but then I was also in college down outside of LA. So I was going to different doctors in different areas. And all of these doctors were just telling me that it was anxiety. (laughs) And I kept saying like, okay, well, it might be also anxiety, but I can assure you (laughs) that it's not just anxiety. You throw up and have all these digestive issues after every meal you're going to be a little anxious too. But yes, if the first thing they say is anxiety, that is so, like they always have done that. Saying that women are hysterical or anxious has been the thing that we've been told all throughout history. Oh, little sweet little woman. I mean, you know. (laughs) I think I, I look younger than I am. And so that's kind of always been the case. And so here I am, I was only 20 at that point, but I'm sure they thought I was a teen, you know, it just kind of goes into everything. And I think obviously teenagers should be taken seriously too. But it was exactly that where I kept saying, no, just please test me for parasites. And then I dropped it for two years. And I thought, well, I guess I'm anxious. (laughs) I don't feel like I am, but okay. And so two years went by and the symptoms got worse and worse and worse. And finally, we have a, a local friend who had been dealing with something funny and she had finally found a, I don't know, I don't think they call it homeopathic, but kind of a natural doctor. And so she got hers to refer me to someone in our area and 
I met with her and I think within five minutes I said that I'd lived in Ecuador and that's when this had started. And she goes, oh, well, we need to test you for parasites. And you're probably just anxious. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, that did not come up at all. It was just, let's test you for parasites. And then I did a food elimination diet too to try to figure out if it was also an allergy because I do have some allergies to legumes. I always hear you talking about how good the beans you eat are. <laughs> and I'm like, oh man, I can't do it. Yeah, but it's all right. I've found my other foods that work. So she she was the first one that said instantly, let's go get you tested for parasites. And so I did that and it took, I think a couple months maybe to, maybe it was just a few weeks, but it was when I was going back to Spain. So it was a little complicated in my head and it came back that I had two different types of parasites. Well, I'm so glad that you didn't give up. And again, it doesn't just happen to women. You know, it also happens to men. My husband has been working through something that going to his doctor and they he keeps getting like it's something with his ears. And they're like, "Oh, that's just normal." He's like, "Really? It really isn't. It's not it's not normal." You know? <laughs> and so it's I I think it's a matter of finding the doctor who's willing to dig a little deeper. And sometimes it's a DO, which is a doctor of osteopathy. I think I'm saying that correctly. And they're just as, as certified as a MD. They go through the same med school, the same certifications. But they just might be, you know, if the doctor is brushing off your symptoms, keep looking. And I love that you had a friend who had a doctor that then helped you find one. That's really what to do. Referrals can be powerful. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium, and specifically, Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. So, And this was still before you started fasting, right? That's right. Yeah. So that was the summer of 2018. And that's when I started the elimination diet and also 
we were trying to avoid doing antibiotics right away because that can also hurt your gut. <laughs> and so I did a few, I know people like details and I trying to think exactly what I did, but it was like this whole regimen of like, I took something with food and then I would take something fasted. So I'd have to wait longer periods between meals. And I did that for a few months because with parasites, they, this is good info for anyone who <laughs> might be dealing with parasites. You have to do at least two rounds because they lay eggs at the full moon. And so it's also something weird. I went back, I was getting headaches. I went back and looked when I had gotten all these really bad headaches and it was always at the full moon. And so it's it's crazy. I know. And it feels like this woo-woo thing to say, but it's true. It's when they lay eggs. It's nature. That's what they do. Well, that actually explains why our cats keep passing it around. We need more than one round. See, that's really good info to have. And I'm glad we're really digging into this because I bet there is more than one person listening right now who's like, maybe that's what's wrong with me. And they're going to be inspired to dig deeper rather than just feeling like they're just, you know, well, I just have gut problems. No, if you've got gut problems, there's a cause. So you got to get rid of the parasites and you got have to get rid of the eggs that they laid. That's why you have to do at least two rounds because often also I found out a lot about parasites. I'm very much a researcher. So as soon as I find out, I'm like, okay, let's dig in. Sometimes the same thing that doesn't, the parasite won't kill the eggs. You have to do two different things or you have to wait. So it's it's kind of this process. And at the same time, I'm eating like the pumpkin seeds and the cinnamon and all the stuff that they say parasites don't like. I think I would put oregano on everything because they hate oregano. <laughs> so I had to do a couple rounds of that. And then it seemed like they hadn't, my symptoms had gotten better, but not gone away. And so by the round January, I decided just to do two rounds of antibiotics uh, because at that point I felt healthier and like my gut could handle it. And so I did that. And then I definitely recommend if anyone is doing antibiotics to follow it up with a like gut healer type thing. So I did a, a thing that helped with the mucous membrane or whatever it's. So I did that. And then after that, I checked again and did not have parasites. So that was a really happy day. Yeah. So all of that happened before fasting, basically. Yeah. So then in 2019, you were ready. You felt better. You'd taken the LSAT. You aced it, right? <laughs> My first one, not so much. <laughs> Eventually. But then you were ready to start fasting. So the LSAT is actually a great fasting story, too, because I, in January, took my first LSAT. I was, I keep saying I was living in Spain, but I'll tell you, for those of you taking standardized testing, I recommend living in the country where your language is, because I got into the LSAT and my brain had been totally in Spanish, and I had to, like, suddenly switch back to English. And I found that tricky. So i finished that LSAT and then started fasting. And I can get into the details of the fasting later, but to, to follow up on the LSAT, I'd then been fasting for six months when I took my second LSAT. And I took that second LSAT fasted. I did way better. <laughs> and so I'm sure it was a, a combination of things, but I really feel like my mental clarity was so big. Or I just had so much more mental clarity from taking that LSAT fasted. <laughs> well, I believe it. You know, just knowing myself and the, the type of mental clarity that I have during the fast, I would definitely take any kind of standardized test that I needed to take in the fasted state. I mean, without a doubt. Although, you know, remember they taught us all through, <laughs> always eat a good breakfast. I'd be like sluggish, taking a nap. <laughs> yeah. And I actually had been worried before my first LSAT that I wouldn't be able to, because you're not allowed to eat or drink while you while you actually take the LSAT. You get one 30-minute break, but it's like four hours or five or something that you can't 
be snacking. And because like I said, when I talked to Lori that I snacked all the time, I was really worried that I'd get a headache or just feel like I couldn't finish if I didn't have a snack in the middle. Now that sounds so crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Well, because you're now, you're fat adapted. So I really think it's a whole different experience for us. We could easily go four or five hours, but you're right. Someone who's not fat adapted, that does sound torturous. So tell us how you started with the fasting in 2019 when you, when you were finished with the first LSAT. How did you adapt yourself to that? It was actually really convenient because I was teaching English in Spain and the school day goes from, I think, 7 in the morning or 7.30 and then it actually gets out at 1.30 uh, because the kids will go home and have their long lunch and it, it doesn't really make sense to come back after that. So it was what I decided I would do is have black coffee in the morning and then there was a snack time for half an hour snack time at 11.30 and I thought, okay, I'll my first day I'll get to that and then I'll have a snack and then... Go on. Well, it was easy for me to do black coffee because I'd been going all this time without sugar, but it turns out that I haven't done one of the studies, but I don't think I process caffeine very well. So I, cause I got really shaky almost within half an hour or something of having that black coffee, but it, so I think I white knuckled it until 1130 and then was like cramming down rice cakes and whatever. And I kept doing that because I just, and I was listening to your podcast, the one with Melanie and like, I'm just having black coffee. I was talking to my mom. I decided to try to brush my teeth with just baking soda or something in case it was the mint. And it took me probably, no, you know what? It took me almost three months to figure out that it was the coffee, but I kept making my way until 1130. And then I'd eat almost nonstop until 730. And then finally, one day I um, was back in the US and my family, I work on a cattle ranch in the summers. And when I got there, we didn't have black coffee. And so I just had water that morning. And suddenly I looked at my watch and realized it was like 1.30 PM and I wasn't even hungry. And so that was my cue that the coffee might be the problem for me. And so after that, I tried black tea one day, which I'm usually a tea drinker anyway, and the black tea has been fine. So, so after that hiccup, I just do my black tea in the morning with usually a glass of sparkling water. And I guess in the last few years, it's changed a lot. So early on, I would make it until one or two and I'd kind of get hungry, open my window and close by eight. It was kind of started at that. And then I was teaching again in the US and our lunch was at 12 or something. So at that point, you know, I I guess what what I'm trying to say, one of the things I like about this is how flexible it is. And so it's really, my experience has changed a lot. So I started white knuckling it till 1130 because of the coffee didn't work for me <laughs> and then ended up switching with my tea and I could make it until, and I was happy and got hungry around one or two. And that was when I was working, I was working from home before the pandemic. It was easy for me to work all the way until one or two and then eat then. And then when I was teaching again, I went back to eating at noon for lunch and then finishing. I didn't have very many classes to teach in the afternoon. So that's how my window is gone. Well, that that's good that you were able to experiment with that. And back to the coffee, I just wanted to say one reason that coffee can be problematic like what you're describing, it could have been that your liver just dumped out a whole bunch of glycogen in response to that black coffee. You know, our bodies are all different in the way that we process things. So maybe your body just like dumps out glycogen like crazy. Because did it feel kind of like a blood sugar crash afterwards? So what I would think is happening for you is it's probably less the caffeine and more that your body ends up having an insulin response because your liver dumps out all that glycogen. And so your blood sugar might rise really quick. And then your body's like, I need some insulin to deal with that. And then it brings it down. 
that could happen for anybody, you know, the insulin coming out after drinking the coffee. And I know we want to avoid having, you know, high levels of insulin during the fast, but our insulin goes up and down, you know, within a range all day. So generally our liver dumping glycogen, when we want our liver to release the glycogen, that helps us get into ketosis. So that's not necessarily a bad thing. But if it's causing you to have that crashing, then that's just a sign that, you know, your liver may be dumping a little more glycogen and maybe your insulin response is super strong and then it crashes your blood sugar. I only feel that way if I drink Starbucks, that whatever that that nitro cold brew, that and people are like, oh, it's the caffeine. I'm like, I promise you it's not the caffeine because I could drink like espresso after espresso and I'm fine. But the nitro cold brew causes me to have an insulin response. But I can understand the mechanism of it happening for you. If it made your liver dump that glycogen really fast, and then your insulin goes up, and then it crashes you. Anyway, that's just one hypothesis. Well, and I drink black tea, which doesn't have as much caffeine as coffee, but I don't have that response. So that now I'm going to look that up. That's just one possible thing that could be happening. You know, I'm just you know proposing based on what we know about coffee stimulating the liver to dump glycogen. That's just what it felt like to me when I would have that blood sugar crash. You know, like when I used to put stevia in my coffee all morning, and then I would, you know, constantly be starving and thinking I was fasting and white knuckling it. And then once I stopped with the stevia, it became so easy. So it's just, but whatever the mechanism, it is not working for you. And that's the bottom line. So if anyone is feeling those kind of crashes, go back to plain water and see, just try it and see. Definitely. And maybe try, I don't, would tea have the same mechanism? Because I know I've seen, you know, coffee having that effect. I don't know if tea does or not. I don't think I've ever looked to see. It wouldn't surprise me if it did, but again, it might just have, we're also so different. You know, maybe tea would stimulate more of a dump for somebody else. I don't know. It's just, it's hard to say. We respond so differently really to everything. So that would be a great question. See, tea makes me queasy on an empty stomach. For whatever. Your mom too? Yeah. Well, green tea especially. She just, It makes her like dizzy. She can't do it. Yeah. It makes me really sick feeling. But any tea does. But I've never been a tea drinker. Here I am in the South where everybody just lives on <laughs> sweet tea all day. And I've never liked tea. So I guess I didn't build up whatever the digestive enzymes you need to be able to process it in your stomach because it just makes my stomach just hurt. It's always so interesting how different everyone is. It's, it's kind of cool uh, in a way because you find lots of the different things work for different people. So what does your window look like now? I know you talked about how it developed over time. Yes. Yeah, so now I've actually just shifted it again <laughs> because my first year in law school, I would wait until all my classes were finished and uh, I was doing it from California. My classes were based in central time. And so I could finish and have, again, it was more of that two o'clock opener. But now being on the same time zone as my law school, I've shifted it to be a little earlier. And I found that I've really liked that because I also I enjoy working out more like I, I like to run. I also practice yoga. I do kind of a variety of those hit workouts. <laughs> and I noticed that if I did those, then I'd get hungry earlier. And it was just easier for me navigating my classes. So usually now I open around uh, 10 a.m. And I've stopped tracking my windows, but I'm usually finished by six or so. So it's a longer window. But some days I really do eat until I'm satisfied and I feel strong and good and just that ready to stop eating. This is kind of a tangent, but I've always felt very lucky because my parents never made me finish any, like if I 
but clearly I wasn't hungry. They didn't make me finish my food. And it wasn't like I could not finish my food and then I could get dessert. Obviously, if I was <laughs> done for the day, I couldn't have anything else. But because of that, I think I've not overridden my satiety signals. Yeah, it's so big. And so so now sometimes, because again, I'm not definitely not trying to lose any weight. So sometimes if I feel like, you know what, I just didn't get enough food in today, I'll actually keep it open an hour longer. It'll be a nine or 10 hour window. <laughs> well, because that's what your body needs. And especially because you're active. Yep. And I used to track the time that I was eating. And now I try to do more of the, the fasting time and get that 16 hour recovery and stomach and all of that, because it really, for me, is about all the health benefits. So that's kind of my goal. You didn't need to lose weight again. So after you finished the parasite, I, I, clearing out the parasites, I guess I was trying to figure out, I almost said parasite cleanse, but I'm like, that's not really what it is. I mean, <laughs> but you got rid of the parasites. Did you regain some of the weight that you had lost? as you were struggling with it? Yes. So I actually, I think in a way, I don't know what the coffee was doing, but because I was so hungry I, and I was literally eating for eight hours straight, basically when I started <laughs> fasting, I gained back all the weight and and a little more. And I was never worried about it because I just didn't, it was like, you know, whatever, it's all within a healthy range. I mean, I'm like, I'm 5'2", and I'm like 110 pounds. And I've always been between 107 and 112. And so I got up to my like 112, 115. So it wasn't like a a lot of weight that I gained. So I gained that all back. And then when I figured out that I needed to have just water or tea, my body went back down to 110, which is, I, you always say this, it was it was about what I weighed in high school. <laughs> and that's just where, where I've been. I'm only, I'm only 27, so I can't really say that it <laughs> it's gone uh, up or down too far. You know, that's, but it, it's like so easy for you to maintain it there. Your body just likes to be there when it's healthy. Like how low did you get with the parasites? I don't weigh myself at very much because I was always kind of, I saw women around me care a lot about their weight. And I think that in my head, I thought that when you hit a certain age, women just worried about it and that that would be inevitably my future. And I didn't want that because like I think about the women around me and they're so strong and powerful and beautiful and smart. And I hated that they were thinking of themselves <laughs> in these bad ways because because they're just so amazing. And, and the weight, to me, it didn't matter. And so be, because of that, I just was like, okay, I'm not weighing myself. I only weigh myself when I go to the doctor. But then when I was trying to make sure I was gaining weight still, or at least maintaining weight. And my my boyfriend weighs himself every day because he's so data oriented. And so I started weighing myself a little bit more often. And now that I know kind of my weight fluctuations, it wouldn't surprise me if I'd gotten down to like 105 or 103. Yeah, it was just too small. <laughs> I absolutely love what you said about the scale number. And, you know, I was trained, I've talked about this before, you've heard me say it, I was trained by a dance teacher mother who was obsessed by the number. And always like, Always, at every moment of my life, she was either complaining that she weighed too much or she was doing a restrictive diet. That was it. That was her life. And so I guess that just, I felt like that's what we did. Just like you said, there comes a point where we get obsessed with our weight. And so I fought that battle for so long. I love that you already knew you didn't want to play that game with yourself. Your mom must just be an amazing, she raised you in an amazing way. She's amazing. <laughs> I absolutely have the best parents in the world. And I love my mom too, but she did make me crazy that way. <laughs> I think just a couple of things that I want to add to this while we're on the topic of my mom. I think now after she's been fasting, because she's been fasting now since the summer of 2018. And I think what I did realize was 
that she wants to feel good and she's she's an incredibly athletic person. I'm like the least athletic person in my family. And here I am like doing all these things every day. But my dad is a, was a fast marathon runner and my brother runs every day and my mom just was the best at any sport she ever tried. So she just explained to me that it she just wanted to feel good. And so I really appreciate that. And it, to me, I totally understand why someone would want to feel better. <laughs> so there's absolutely that. And then just the other thing is that my mom, even though I saw her, I think she really tried to, to shield it from me. But of course, as a kid, you notice a lot. And so I noticed when she wasn't eating the same thing or when she was those like 100 calorie snack packs <laughs> that were so big in the early 2000s. And so I was picking up on it, even though she was really trying to shield me. But one thing that she did and that my dad did that they decided to do was to not ever make comments on my appearance or my brother's. And But I think as a young girl, you're, you're usually faced with that more than men are, although it's equally important. And I, I remember the first time she ever made a comment about, she called me pretty one day when I was 12. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> this has never happened. And But I really appreciate that now looking back that I was picking out my own clothes since I was three or whatever. And I, there was never any like, this is how you're supposed to look. And so I really appreciate that and how they decided <laughs> to raise me. Well, that really is important. I think that, you know, I've, of course, been around children my whole career as a teacher. But so often we praise little girls as pretty or, you know, and, and so then they, they learn that's their identity. You know, their idea, oh, I have to be pretty. And then they start getting obsessed with that as, a th- oh, well, how can I be pretty? Instead of praising the things like, look how strong you are or look how hard you worked at that. You know, that the Carol Dweck book mindset really helped me understand how the way we talk to our children is so important and what we're planting, those seeds we're planting in their head from little, little days. Oh, look how pretty you look is really the wrong thing <laughs> to plant. How do you feel in that dress would be a much, you know, better thing to to say to them. Yes. And that was whenever I was shopping with my mom and I would ask, as I, I mean, I love my mom and she's one of my biggest role models. So I'd always ask her what she thought of whatever I tried on. And she would say, I'm not the one that's going to be wearing it. <laughs> and of course that annoyed me so much because I was like, yeah, but, but you're the one looking at it. What does it look like? But it helped me really understand that whole thing of, it doesn't matter how the clothes look on the rack or even on you. You have to feel good in them. So I totally agree that that's how, how do you feel in that dress? <laughs> exactly. And the way you feel in it will carry over to your body language, how confident you are, just everything about the experience of wearing those clothes. Feeling good in your clothes is the goal. <laughs> it's like I rejected all the uncomfortable clothes. Yeah, I'm 52. I'm just going to wear the ones that feel good. <laughs> I'm in my 20s and I'm already there, so. (laughs) I love it. It took me a long time. (laughs) If the clothes don't feel good in the store, they are not going to feel good after you've been wearing them for two hours. Well, that's fantastic. And I love that you're not, you know, tied into the weighing, as we said before, because, you know, I haven't seen a weight number for me since, it's hard for me to even think, is it 2018 now? Probably listeners know better about the dates than me, because that's just, I'm just living, right? But it's so freeing not to have that judgment at all. And it's like a release from fear too. I think because I started not weighing myself or that never, I specifically didn't want to do it because I was afraid I would get worried about the number. And so for me, for some people, it's like not having that number is a release from fear. And for me, this having intermittent fasting in my toolbox and knowing and being able to identify whether I feel good or not good apart from a scale, that is freedom from fear too. So I think this freedom from fear is such a big part of it as well. And when you don't have the scale number, you can really cue into, like you said, how you feel. Like, for example, I'm here at the beach. 
I'm here with my son. Last night we went out and ate barbecue. I'm very puffy today. (laughs) I feel it in my face. I know it. And I'm not like stressed about it. I know it's a reaction to, we had boiled peanuts, we had barbecue, I'm puffy. And because I don't have to get on a scale and see a number, it's no big deal. I know it's not going to be permanent. I'm not puffy forever. But I I know, hmm, you know, I don't feel as great when I eat out. And it's okay. You really learn to connect to what's more important than, oh my gosh, look at that number on the scale. I'm going to need to diet. No. I just need a few vegetables one day, then I'll feel better because I'll feel better. And, you know, the the inflammation, the puffiness, your body has many, many mechanisms. The feedback lets you know. I think it's great, too, because it also it's not this concern. I think this is pretty much what you're saying, but it's it's not this concern that it's just going to go on and on and on and be all downhill from there. But that like tomorrow you're going to eat differently because you feel better or because you're not out at a restaurant, you don't have the same plan. And that's. So that worry of of just, oh, well, now it's all downhill. It, it's not there anymore because it just you just shift what you do. So you mentioned that when you were battling the parasites, you really had to have a restrictive diet. And so so how has that changed for you now? Did fasting help in any way with being able to reintroduce more foods? Or was it just clearing out the parasites that did that? No, it was a lot of it was fasting because I wasn't sure whether, like I'd said, whether it was going to be an allergy thing or whether it was just the parasites. And so one huge thing with fasting while I reintroduced foods was that I could tell with what I opened whether I felt good or not and not having to think, oh, well, I had this earlier and so it could be this. It's, it might be that. I don't know. I knew exactly what it was and I've been able to reintroduce everything that I had taken out except for the legumes, which I just never will be able to eat, which is okay. <laughs> like my whole dinner last night was legumes. I had boiled peanuts. I had butter beans. Anyway. Unfortunately, that's me. But I do think that even because I've even noticed within legumes, there are certain legumes that I respond way worse to than others. And so I haven't done this yet because law school is just so stressful that it's like you talk about fasting being a good stress. And I'm sure law school is also a good stress in the, in the long run, but it makes me not want to introduce the things that I know don't always feel good, but I do after during breaks and stuff want to try like peas again because peas I could eat and felt not great. But I wonder if having the parasites cleared out and my gut healed, if now I'd actually be able to to process them a little better because they weren't the worst extent of my allergy. But fasting really enabled me to to cue in to what it was that my body was responding to, and it also gave me some peace of mind that because at least for my allergies, sometimes if I've if I've eaten something, it's like I've just got to clear it out basically. And it feels not good <laughs> until you've done that. And so knowing that my, not only would clear out <laughs> however that happened, but that I would have those 16 or 20 or however many hour fast to heal my body and to feel really good again. So the next day it wasn't like it was building on itself. It was like ready to, it was kind of that reset. So that definitely helped me when I was reintroducing foods. I think that's great. That's really important because you really do tune in differently to your body with fasting. And that's so important. So, so you can eat everything except legumes, basically. Yeah, pretty much. I had, I did have a weird allergy response last summer, and we're still trying to figure out what that is. So we're like back to reintroducing other foods again. But for a year and a half, it was eating everything again. So that's been, and I know that in the same way that I did it then, I'm reintroducing now, and it's all been going just fine. 
it's nice not to have that fear. Yes, that is for me. It's a lot about just not having that fear. And I honestly, I know you're not a big donut fan, but donuts are like my favorite dessert. And so I was. I remember that first conversation with my mom when she told me that she had started fasting. We were, we were on the phone and. And I'd had a reaction after eating eggs and I love eggs and I turned out not allergic to eggs. Eggs are still probably what I open my window with 99% of the time. But so we're on the phone. I'm like, okay, so if it turns out, mom, that I'm not allergic to eggs and I try this fasting thing, you're saying that I could, I would not eat and then I could eat a donut. (laughs) And like, as long as I don't respond, like that's just what you do. And she's like, yeah, you could absolutely just go eat the donut. (laughs) And so that was my big priority with getting to fasting was being able to eat donuts again. (laughs) That's so fun. Now, if you opened with a donut, would you feel okay? No, I would not feel good. My boyfriend's a great cook and we have actually made donuts together. And sometimes it's like, we'll want to make them and he'll, he'll just, I mean, he can, he can eat anything whenever and he feels fine, but I'm like, nope, if we're, if we're making donuts in the morning, I've got to have my eggs, my avocado, my toast, and then I'll have a donut afterwards. <laughs> that is so important. I knew that about myself from a very young age. You know how kids are all about like candy and eating candy and sweets. I, from a very young age knew, of course, now that I've done the Zoe testing and then my body doesn't clear sugar well, it makes more sense, you know, like I don't have great blood sugar control biologically. So when I was a kid, I was like, "Uh uh-uh. I mean, I never would just eat a lot of candy. I liked salty things, you know, savory things, but I didn't, I I knew from an early age that I didn't feel good if I had, maybe that's why I don't like donuts. Because they're like, I think one of the worst. I also, I've never been a big candy person either, even as a kid. I would, I've always had a sweet tooth and I'd want some, like usually chocolate, but I've always preferred dark chocolate. And like, you know, kids would eat their Halloween candy all in one night and I would have like one piece and I'd have one piece every day. And I learned, I so I was very similar. I never really. That was me. And always after eating, like I absolutely would never have it because I knew it made me feel bad. Like I, I felt the the blood sugar drop later. But, you know, my, my great grandmother had a country store in South Carolina. It was this little old country store and I would go visit her and she would give me this big box and I could put everything in there that I wanted and I would put candy in it but it would like last me until the next time I saw her like next year and I also put things like beanie weenies in there and you remember those little cans of beanie weenies and (laughs) chips (laughs) but yeah that candy would last me a long time it was still fun to pick it out but (laughs) yeah well it's also that sounds like it's coupled with that like delayed gratification that they talk about with kids (laughs) And I always joke that I'm the queen of delayed gratification because I can, if those Oreo studies that they do, I could, I would have waited all day, wouldn't have licked those. And that's how I would save my Halloween candy and they would still have it by, you know, October 30th of the next year. <laughs> well, if they told me do not lick the Oreo, then by golly, I would not have licked it, right? I would have been just sitting there staring at it because I was like, I'm going to follow the rule even if it's hard. And now you're in law school and I was a teacher. So maybe we're the, <laughs> when you're the rule followers, you like to do things with rules. I don't know. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, 
Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. And I guess, you know, fasting is great for those of us that love the rules because it's the easy rules. I can follow this rule. I'm either fasting or I'm not fasting. The easiest rule there is. And I like clear rules, too. Law school is not good for clear rules, I will say. Anyone who thinks that law is just black or white, that ends up not being true. So so if you're thinking about law school, know that. But fasting, there's no interpretation, (laughs) which I love. Well, although there are people who would would say there is, you know, like this versus that. But for me, no. I'm either fasting or not. But what people to define as fasting may be different. But right, right. Well, I follow the Jen Stevens rules. So. Thank you. <laughs> I think it makes a difference. I mean, just because, you know, I know we are all different, but I really think biologically the clean fast makes a huge difference. And again, like for you, you can't have coffee. And you know that. And it's important, to, you know, really f- dialing into how your body feels is the most important thing. And it just makes sense why you wouldn't want to put stevia in or those other things. It, just is so logical. And I really appreciate when there's just logic. (laughs) So, well, is there anything you struggle with? I struggled with, so I'm also really competitive within myself. And so there was a brief period where I was like, oh, well, I fasted 20 hours yesterday. I'm going to go 21 today. And that's not the right approach. And it was never about losing weight more or whatever. It was just like, oh, it's, you know, this is a competition. (laughs) And so Peeling that back was really important, especially as I, because I'm, I like to do athletic things and just noticing, I think the shift really this year where I think my, my body just has less fat that it's working through. And cause I, I'm a petite person and realizing that it was okay to open my window at 10 AM and then have a longer eating window was something that I struggled with accepting because I loved how I could go. It's just convenient to not have to worry about eating until two or three. And so accepting that was something that I struggled with, although that it's not like a fasting thing that I struggled with. It was more a mental block of this is how I've been doing it. And I really liked it, but that's where it's just so important to listen to your body and say, you know what? I need to get fueled. I also, I can't eat a big meal. I'm not that person that can just sit down and eat everything. I know that you've said you're able to just enjoy that (laughs) big meal when it's served, but I have always been just a, a small portions. And like I said, I used to eat frequently throughout the day. And so I guess here I am on this. I've, I've worked my way to my biggest challenge is that I still can't. I thought that maybe if I waited, I'd suddenly turn into someone who could eat the full meal just sitting down and uh, I didn't <laughs> change. And so the biggest thing for me is getting enough food to feel refueled in whatever window that I eat. And that took the form for me of just having a longer window. See, I think that's so important. I'm so glad you just shared that because somebody really needed to hear that today because So often people are like, oh, well, Jen Stevens was successful and she opens her window at, you know, this time and eats a really big meal and that, or, but that's not the way that, that my body likes to eat is not the way everyone's body. You are more of a grazer. So you need a longer window. And for me, like I've said, it's all about making sure I feel good. And when, what I noticed was I was suddenly feeling like, oh, I just, I'd wake up and I like to work out in the morning and I, I'd say, I don't, I honestly don't feel strong enough. Like I don't feel good enough to do a workout. So I guess I won't. And 
I suddenly realized, you know what? I bet if I ate at at 10 instead of at one, or even at noon instead of one, I would feel like I would have that time to get that extra snack in or that extra meal. And I would feel great. (laughs) And that was exactly the case. As soon as I was just a little more lenient with myself and opened a little earlier and made sure that because I still can't eat a big meal that I would eat that big meal, but like spread throughout the day a little longer, then I felt great again and ready and prepped to do my my workouts. And I also, I just tried Element, the electrolytes. <laughs> and that's made a huge difference for me too, actually being able to get that extra sodium. And I think there's magnesium and maybe potassium in those because I would like, my boyfriend makes fun of me because I would literally like basically be dumping a handful of salt on anything I ate <laughs> and it never felt like enough. And then suddenly introducing Element, now I feel like um, that that salt intake has also helped. So those are the two things that I would say. That's really cool to hear, too. And, you know, I read The Salt Fix several years ago, and he talks about how all, you know, animals will eat salt till they've had enough, you know. And so I put a lot of salt on my food in my eating window because, you know, I'm fasting during the day. And and that's, that's just interesting. Now that you've added the electrolytes during the day, you're not feeling the need to put as much salt on your food. But our bodies will crave it till we get enough. That's really how our bodies work with really everything. The other thing about fasting that I... I think I'd heard it for sure on your podcast, but it's almost those things you don't believe until you experience where I remember, I think that it was just the summer after I started fasting. I was, I don't think I've ever eaten eggplant in my life and I was craving eggplant just nonstop. And so we finally went down to the farmer's market and uh, my mom and I found a good recipe with cheese on top and whatever. And I ate this eggplant. I don't think I like eggplant, but I enjoyed it <laughs> and I got whatever I needed, but it's so true that your body just really craves whatever it needs. <laughs> It's amazing. And we learn to squelch that down, right? Oh, I've already eaten enough today. I shouldn't eat any more. But that eggplant's calling your name. Eat the eggplant. (laughs) Well, and I was craving a lot of dark chocolate. And I've always kind of had a sweet tooth. So I thought, okay, this is just my sweet tooth. And then I introduced taking uh, magnesium. And I still want chocolate sometimes. But it is no longer that craving of like, I need dark chocolate. And I think it was that my body was trying to get that extra magnesium. You know, that's so interesting now that's making me think because I really never eat chocolate. Like, never. Like, I got – I went to a football game last weekend with with college friends because we're recording this in, you know, football season's just ending. And we had, like, this little charcuterie thing that I bought, and it had, like, little pieces of chocolate in there. And I, I didn't eat them. So I took them back home, and it's still sitting there. I didn't eat any of it. But I take magnesium every single day. So I don't crave that chocolate. That's so interesting, too. If I ever stopped taking magnesium, maybe I would start to crave it. Yeah, that'd be an interesting experiment you probably don't actually want to do, but it'd be really interesting to find out, like, what do you start craving if you stop taking a certain vitamin? Or a- That's so interesting. Yeah, but yeah, I feel so much better. I finally got a magnesium that's working well for me. And like, I'd been taking it for years, but now that I finally dialed it in, I'm sleeping better, feeling better. So, Yeah. Definitely not craving the chocolate. <laughs> so I know your mom is an intermittent faster. Anyone else in your family that are that's close to you that's also taken it up after watching y'all be successful? So my mom, my dad also, he uh, is a bit like me in the rule follow way, but he's he's not great with his satiety. So, sorry if you can hear my dog. I'm trying to. So my dad is not great always with his satiety, which is why the if fasting has been so good because he's able to say to himself, <laughs> I'm not eating now. And then he waits and he, he eats everything that he wanted. And my grandma also actually, my mom's mom. So she got her into fasting and she, I 
couldn't tell you how much weight she's lost, but a significant amount of weight and was able to decrease the thyroid medication that she was taking. And she's like, I mean, my grandma's a really hip and with it person, but she visited me in Spain and she, I could tell she felt slower and had to take more naps. And I, of course, you're partially thinking this is my grandma and <laughs> that's how life goes. But then she, she started fasting right after that. And I've since seen her a few times and it's like, she's just back to the grandma that I remembered. So I can't speak for her, but, I, but watching her is just been, it's been really, really cool to see that. That's fantastic. That makes me smile so big. Just because, you know, we, we are just taught that we're going to slow down. And we're going to not be able to do, I mean, of course we are going to, that's not a lie, but we don't have to accept it at as early of an age as we think we have to. I mean, yes, our body is going to wear out eventually. We don't make it out of this life alive, right? <laughs> but for your grandma to have more, she's able to do more. She's physically able to get around, not just from losing the weight, but from the fasting. She's going to have a longer period of time where she feels good in her body. So my my cousin has two babies, so she has got two grandbabies, and my brother's wife is pregnant, so she's got these great grandbabies, and we all want her to be around to see them grow up, and I think it's really cool that that's an opportunity at this point, where it was, you know, you don't ever know, but it, it seems clear that she's extended the how well she feels and how long that's going to go for. So that's just really, I am such a family person <laughs> that I, it just makes me so happy that I, I'll have her probably longer, and same with my parents. Maybe one day I'll be able to talk my parents into it. <laughs> I do think it's hard. Like, I think if I'd found this, I can be a little bit like Melanie, and I think my mom is a lot more like you. And so I think if I tried to tell my parents, it, it would have would have taken a little bit more. So it's, sometimes it's harder as the kid. <laughs> but it came from Lori Lewis. Right. It came from Lori. So, and everyone loves Lori because how can you not? <laughs> I know. Lori is great. I haven't seen her in a while. I can't, went to see her. I mean, of course, pandemic, right? The last time I saw her was fall of 2019. I went actually went to see her in Portland. And um, yeah, when fall of 2019 went out there, it was a great, great trip. I really loved it. But would love to get together with her again as people are starting to travel more. I know I'll see her again. <laughs> Because she really is. She's got such a loving heart. And when she's excited about something and shares it with you, you want to do that thing that she's excited about. It's so contagious in the best way. <laughs> well, if she's listening, I hope she comes visits uh, me too. So I want to see her soon. <laughs> I know she's probably listening. And she's a great fasting coach. So I actually, if you go to jenstevens.com, she's a fasting coach that I have actually listed there that you can get in touch with her for anyone who's listening and maybe thinks they need a coach. Some people do. You know, I, I never needed a coach. I need community. That helped me. But some people need actually someone to hold them accountable. So you could have Lori Lewis help you through it. <laughs> I recommend it. <laughs> Absolutely. So we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? So I have two things. The first is that I'm going to just parrot you. Tweak it till it's easy because <laughs> it really does get easy if you just tweak it. And for me, that was figuring out that coffee didn't work, but for other people, it's going to be different. And then the other thing I would just say is that you can, a lot of people come to this for the weight loss, but if you're coming for the health benefits and you don't want to lose weight or if whatever the case may be, it's it's about being healthy and you can, I mean, I gained weight because I needed to. And so it's really your body responding to what it needs. It's not just for weight loss and it can be absolutely beneficial if that's not at all what you're coming for. So that's the other thing that I would want people to know uh, if they were interested or thinking about intermittent fasting. Yeah, because it's so coupled in so many people's minds with just weight loss. 
Like, you know, you might look at you or look at my husband and say, why in the world would you do this? You don't need to lose weight. You could put on a few pounds and still be okay. But but it's it's actually just having that digestive rest time is good for everyone. And you can structure your eating window so that you're eating enough and not losing weight if you don't want to or need to lose weight. I've literally had people ask me either directly or indirectly why I need to be fasting. And I always say the same things. It's helping the gut. I can eat all the foods that I thought I was never going to be able to eat again, like gluten and dairy. My skin has totally, I had, I was dealing with so much acne and stuff and that's between this and beauty counter, that's all gone away. And then there's also, for me, such clarity of thought and being able to to work through that. Oh, I do want to add really quickly. I'm sure you're right about your brain working and using more calories and being more hungry because I have never been hungrier than in law school. So I fully sign on to this. A hundred percent. I mean, it was just striking when I was writing Cleanish how hungry I would get after writing all day. I would be like starving. And I was like... I would. I had to go to the coffee shop to write because they were demoing my pool and it was really loud. So I would go to the coffee shop and I was opening my window earlier and having like a latte and a scone and a. But it was like a cheese scone, kind of a thing, you know, to get my. So it wasn't just you know, making my blood sugar crash. But I was starving and I am pretty sure I lost weight. Like I, <laughs> I was losing weight and eating more and starving. So yeah, get that brain going, everybody. After my finals, I would have to eat immediately no matter what time it was. It's crazy how how hungry I would get. So absolutely, if you're doing a lot of thinking, even if you're sitting, trust yourself if you're feeling hungry. <laughs> if you're hungry, you need more food. That's your body telling you something. Well, Jordan, I have so much love to talking to you today. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. Behind every successful business is a story, and some of them might surprise you. Like how Chobani's first yogurt factory was discovered on a piece of junk mail, or how the founder of the multi-million dollar cosmetics brand Drunk Elephant was told by everyone, including her own mother, that the name sounded like a dive bar. I'm Guy Raz, and on my show How I Built This, I talk to founders behind the world's biggest companies and brands to learn the real stories of how they built them, in each episode, you'll hear entrepreneurs share moments of doubt and failure and talk about how they were able to overcome them on their way to the top. How I Built This is like a masterclass in innovation and creativity, a how-to guide for navigating life's challenges from the people who've done it all. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now 
on Wondery Plus.